Ghost Emoji. I'm Becca. I'm Taylor. And today we are talking about Veronica. This is like the third time I've done the intro. <laughs> She's really getting good internet... at it. <laughs> our internet connection is being super difficult. Each time, but... it just becomes more nuanced. I feel like she's really getting the material now. I really, I really am. I'm getting, I'm trying to pretend to be more hype each time. <laughs> God, it's just getting more and more. I can't keep up. Good times. <sighs> Super fun. But, yeah, no, we, uh, Becca watched it. God, did you watch it, like, right when it came out? Because I feel like I mentioned it, and you were like, oh, yeah, I watched that yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I watched it literally, like, the day that I don't remember what I saw, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch it. It's it's good. I watched it this week, so it took me a little a minute to get to it. But um, I mean, by that point, we'd already heard all this stuff about how it was like the scariest movie ever, and it's it's a good movie. I really liked it, but I feel like these people keep shooting themselves in the foot by being like, "It's the scariest thing I ever seen in my goddamn life. I'll never see a scarier movie, and neither will you." Yeah, I. I felt bad because when, when you were like, oh, was it super scary? And I was like, mm, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, I was really excited about it because one, I mean, I always like when you see something that says it's going to be really scary because there's always like that that sliver of hope. And then um, I like that it's uh, from the guy who did, I can never, I, I just need to look up if it's like. I'm pretty sure it's just record, just record because it's just, it's just shortened for record. Mm-hmm. You know. But by uh, Paco Plaza, and I really, really like that movie. I know that that franchise took a weird turn, and and even the second one I wasn't that crazy about. I know a lot of people still liked number two, and then by three and four, it just got wet and wild in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. But no, but by the I liked the first one a lot, and that one was a found footage film, so it was a, a little bit different. Um, this one I really liked the cinematography for, like, it was, I'm trying to think of, like, some specific scenes, but there's just a couple where I, I liked, they did a lot of the kind of, like, sped up motion, and there are a few scenes where I couldn't tell if they were doing that, or if she was just moving kind of erratically on her own, but I thought it was really pretty. I, I haven't seen anything that he's done that wasn't found footage, so I liked, I liked the direction they took it in. We have a, a strict no synopsis. <laughs> rule for movies but just as a general sense it's kind of like a would you say it's like a possession movie or is it like a haunted house movie or like a little bit of both i definitely felt like it was a um a possession movie it felt very much like a cross between the exorcist and mm, i'm trying to think of what else it reminded me of i don't know but it's it's just good. I mean, it's it's about like a young girl mm-hmm. who, who's like a teenager, and uh, she's taking care of like her younger brothers and sisters. And anytime kids are like involved, it's just extra spooky. Not because they're creepy, but just because like you're so worried about them. You know? Yeah. Like, there's definitely like a heightened element of like, okay, which of these kids are going to make it out? There's a lot of tension. Are they going to have the guts to kill any of these kids? Oh, jeez. I was so worried. Because I was like, record was kind of rough from what I remembered. So I was like, mm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they let Jennifer have it. Spoilers. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, they did. They let Jennifer have it. No, I, because I, I thought it was going to be a possession movie. 
which I mean, arguably, yeah, it is. It is. But I was surprised because like they do the Ouija board in the beginning, you know, it's her and her friends because her dad is dead. Um, they never really say when the dad dies, do they? Or like how he died? Or if it was uh-uh, recent? Um, it's just sort of like, uh, I don't know what the word for it is, but it's just sort of like a tidbit of information that you sort of like... It's just implied, like, oh, he's dead. Yeah. She's, you know, looking wistfully at his photo and the mom is, you know, a single mom who's working all the time. Yeah, I felt bad because I was like, she's not a bad mom. She's just real busy. Yeah, I mean, she's trying to be there, but mm-hmm. she's putting a, a lot on Veronica. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. for a, like, what, 14-year-old girl? Yeah, she was a freshman in high school, so however old you are when you're a freshman in Spain, too, because I was like, I don't know how grades work there. Also, their Ouija board looked different. I meant to look up and see, like, if it's still, because, like, in the, they called it the, the Ouija board in the, like, subtitles, but I wonder if that was just, like, a localization thing, but it looked yeah. different. Other than just, like, being in a different language and, like, the yes and no being, you know, like, see and no, but... Yeah, but the setup of it was very different as well. Mm-hmm. But she's, like, at school, there's an eclipse going on, because, you know, eclipses are very spooky, and instead of going up to look at the eclipse, she and her friend and some rando who her friend brings along bring out this Ouija board, because they want to talk to um, Veronica's dad, who passed away, and the rando girl... Was her name Diana, or was that Rosa? Uh, Diana, yeah, yeah. Diana. Mm-hmm. But she had a boyfriend who had died in, like, a bike accident, and so they were going to try and talk to him, but she's like, I didn't bring anything. She didn't do the work. She's going to show up yeah. to a seance and not do the work. That's how yeah, you get into and... trouble in the first place. Also, you always got to say goodbye. <laughs> I know. You always have to say goodbye. I was just sitting there, like, so mad. If only they had listened. To our our podcast about know, how right? to to safely conjure spirits when you play spooky games with your friends, you always say bye bye, but they didn't, and so of course, you know the lights flicker out and everyone freaks out, and she starts acting kind of weird and passes out, and that like up till then I thought it was very classic possession because of course like she's laying prone on the ground and she like opens her mouth like freakishly wide also appreciated that she had braces like an actual teenager never mind she's yeah. like impossibly beautiful for a teenager not that teenagers can't be pretty but like i don't think i knew anyone who looked that good when they're 14 it's just crazy yeah i know the whole time i was just like god your eyebrows are so beautiful and her eyes are so beautiful and i was like what the hell yeah that what have you been eating <laughs> what did your family feed you uh, well that actress and she's really like I think she's she's newer. I think this movie. I don't know if it was her first one, but it seems like this was kind of her her breakout role. But her name is Sandra Escasenza, Escasena, Escasena. But she's super pretty. How old is she? She's young, I assume. She yeah, looks like a, she's an actual um, teenager. She was born in two thousand one, so she's like seventeen. So she was playing a little bit younger, but. At least she's... I mean, she looks very young. She's still a teenager, at least. She's yeah. not like, I'm 27. I can do 13. No prob. Just draw some zits on me. I'm 13 again. Yeah. <laughs> but, and so, of course, she leaves and, you know, weird stuff starts happening. But from that point, like, for a possessed person, I feel like she still had a lot of agency. Like, she was being haunted by, you know, like, this spirit or demon or whatever 
that's like following her around and terrorizing her and her siblings. But I guess I'm more used to possession ones being like, you know, the person who's been possessed acting out. Whereas this one, it was like she was seeing everything and being um, tormented by it too. And then of course you get to the end and then it turns kind of more into like, it was me the whole time, which I thought they did in kind of a confusing way. Like, I couldn't tell for sure, like up until the very last moment. I was like, is it trying to trick her into thinking that it's her so she'll like kill herself and it can like take over her body or what? See, I had already like assumed that it was, I was like, well, obviously like it's you doing these things. Like it's, but then you're possessed. Yeah, I guess. But then like the little boy kept being, you know, when she was like, oh, cause she's giving him a bath and gets like lured out of the room and then hears him scream, which is stressful. As I'm saying, these kids, oi. And she comes back and the water's really hot and he's got, he's kind of been scalded. I guess not bad enough to go to the hospital, but enough that you've got to put like ointment on it and rub his belly. But poor baby. Yeah, I know. I felt so bad for him. But when she's like, sorry, I, you know, put the water on too hot. And he was like, oh, it wasn't you. Was he just supposed to have like that kid vision where he's like, oh, even if it was in your body, I know it wasn't you. I mean, she she made different faces depending on if she was possessed or not. So I assumed he meant, like, I could tell it wasn't you. Like, mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't you doing this thing. And it, I guess it is the, like, weird, like, child sort of psychic abilities or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but for that one specifically, I mean, like, she was taken out of, like, she heard a noise or something and left the room. And then the door slammed shut. And when she comes back, the water's really hot. So that's where I was just confused by, like, if it's supposed to be her, you think she would physically be there, like she was when her little sister was like, why were you choking me? But from Veronica's point of view, it was the monster hand, like, coming out of the shadows. Well, I mean, she might have thought she was walking out into the hallway, but she may never have actually walked out into the hallway. I guess that's true. I wish they had made that a little bit clearer, just because the ending felt kind of rushed. Like, it took so long to get there, and then it just all happened very quickly. I kind of started to forget that it was, like, a framed story, because it starts off with, like, a 911 call, being like, oh, we've, we're, stuff's going on, it's getting real scary over here. Squirry? It's getting real scary over here. Screwy? It's getting real squirry over here. And, Squirrely. you know, then it shows the cops, like, showing up, and it's at her apartment, but you don't know it's them yet. And then it has, like, a cop opening a door and looking horrified, and then it cuts to, you know, like, three days earlier kind of thing. And I just... Like I said, like, it's not I mean, the perfect movie. Yeah. I, no. I, I went and I checked to see how The Rotten Tomatoes was doing, because when it first came out everyone was like it's got a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes and i actually didn't know how that works when it's like on netflix or whatever but it's got a 93 percent now from like critics but the audience score is 47 percent so i guess actual critics seem to like it more than your average viewer if that's how that works i guess i don't know but i mean it's still good the the music is really really good i at certain points, I thought it was a little bit off because it kind of has, like, this synthy, kind of spooky 90s background music because it takes place in 1991. So, you know, they kind of throw in some some old stuff. She's got, like, a little Walkman and 
she's got uh for the eclipse instead of looking through like fancy glasses they tell them to bring like some photo negatives to look through which is kind of cool but then they also would have some kind of like old like spanish like rock and roll music i really liked the song that was in the trailer um it's by heroes del silencio and it's called maldito duende but i really i really liked the that music part it made me want to go and put it on my spotify and see what else they've got just because i mean i feel like my music taste is pretty american centric like u.s centric so it's it's nice sometimes you don't really i don't get as much exposure to like what like alternative teens from other countries would listen to or like like i don't know maybe this is a song that would be considered like a you know like an oldie like what if this is every rose has its thorn but for madrid well Neither of us would ever know because we can't speak fluid Spanish. No, I'll, I I like this a lot better than I like. Uh, every rose has its. I thorn. don't like. I don't like every rose has its thorn at all. So yeah, neither do I. That's why I was like, I'm confused. I was just trying, trying to think trying of to like an like old like, like hair. Uh, what's it called? Like an old like hair metal, like power ballad or something like that. But. I felt like it just kind of helped, like, place her and kind of see, like, where she was and what she was into, you know. I guess maybe before her dad died, it seemed like she didn't really have that much opportunity anymore to to do anything fun. She's always, like, watching other people out through the window and, I don't know, it's just kind of sad. Yeah. Which made the ending even sadder and maybe that's why I was just kind of, like, upset that I didn't totally get, like, why she had to dies spoiler alert she dies at the end yeah like she didn't do anything wrong like she you know she conjured spirits i guess and didn't say bye bye but then she she did it again and like said goodbye she like tries to get her friends to help her and they suck because they're freaked out god they were the worst friends ever like i don't know diana and rosa you (laughs) suck like, if you came to me and whispered in my ear that you were going to die on a certain day and I knew I had been there with you with a seance and we had fucked it up, like, you know, that's partly my fault. I should have reminded you to say bye-bye and sung a little song, apparently. So you got to own up to that and help out. <sighs> but that part was frustrating just because I, I just didn't get, like, why it didn't work. If it was supposed to be, like, you think you can control it, but you can't. These are some some wicked forces we're dealing with. Yeah. Did you like the the blind smoking nun, Sister Death? Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I want to be called Sister Death. That's me. And like she's like everyone calls you Sister Death, and she's like I know. <laughs> you think I don't fucking know? Shit, yeah, I know. <laughs> she doesn't say I shit. I love yeah, it, but <laughs> I wish she did shit. Yeah, I know. I just couldn't tell. I guess like because she seems so like aware, and she's like giving her you know, tips and tricks and stuff. But then the other sister comes down and was like, how dare you, you know, mislead so-and-so. I can't remember what her real name was. I'm just going to call her Sister Death. You know, she's she's old. Like, she doesn't know anything. And I'm just like, Sister Death, tell her. Tell her you know what's up. And instead, she's just like, go fix it. Kind of mad at Sister Death, honestly. She could have She could have done a little bit more. I feel like when you're a blind smoking nun, you should inherently have some like extra special Jesus powers. 
So I think that's kind of like the the kind of weird mixed up storytelling and not totally understanding like what happened at the end. And also the fact that even though like the visuals were cool, you know, for me, like the setting was kind of novel just because I don't watch as many like Spanish language films as I should, even though some of my favorite horror movies are are Spanish language films. Like the House at the End of Time is super duper good. Record is really, really good. I mean, Pan's Labyrinth, I guess, Labyrinth. is, I would consider that horror, like a little fantasy horror, but that's super good, like, but, like, the core elements of it were just kind of, I feel like it's harsh to say that they were lazy, but there wasn't, like, anything super original about it. No, I agree. I agree completely. It's, it was just, I don't know, there was stuff where I was just like, man, I feel like you could have done so much more with this. Mm-hmm. And it, it just felt like wasted potential mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I also, I feel bad because, like, they showed the monster too much, I think, or the, like, demon or whatever. Because the most effective thing I think you can really do with, like, a demon or a monster or whatever is you give just enough, like, glimpses of it that you... Your brain fills in the, like, the empty missing spaces, and it makes it way more scary than anything you could actually show me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, especially the kind of, like, out of the corner of your eye things. Like, Mm -hmm. that one part in the beginning that I heard a lot of people talking about where, like, you kind of see it for a second coming down the hallway, but she keeps walking because she doesn't see it, and so your eye is trained on it, and you keep looking for movement. Because I feel like that's something that if you've ever kind of spooked yourself, like, I've got a weird little, like, archway in our kitchen, and I I know it's just probably the way it's set up, and, like, the lighting, and I am constantly thinking that I see something move out of the corner of my eye when I'm in the kitchen, and I look out in the front, and that's just super scary. I know it's not a demon, but <laughs> same thing in movies. Like, when I see something out of the corner of my eye... I'm going to assume, like, worst case scenario, it's something bad. Whereas if you show it to me, I can just, I I can see it, and I'm like, okay, that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Let me scare myself. <laughs> Trust me, anything that I come up with is going to frighten me far more. Because, like, the one exception to that is uh, the monster that they show, or the, like, spirit or whatever, or, yeah, it's a some sort of god you're talking about the ritual um, from yeah from the ritual that thing fucking scared me and they give you a, a fairly good like glimpse of it they do like, you see it but you don't see it till like well. the very end like they kind of give you an idea like you know it's big you know but i was still surprised like when i saw it it's like a weird fucking like cloister <laughs> Like, the body kind of reminded me of a cloister, the Pokemon, which I know doesn't sound scary. But then it's, like, a fucking, like, half a body, but then the upper half is also part of a body, but it's attached to, like, a giant, like, moose elk thing, which sounds like it wouldn't be scary. But have you ever seen, like, a real moose in real life? They're fucking huge. They're very, very big. And they're, they'll and kill it's you. it's got fucking, like, <laughs> naughty hands, like... Trees. Like, these knotted hands coming out of its little like basically where its crotch is and there's just this darkness and these two like glowing eyes and then these scary scraggly hands and it's just that 
honestly, that monster, like, really freaked well, me out. Well, in the way it moved, and... well, because it's tall, but it's got those arms, yeah. and so, like, it can lean down. Move. You think Move. that if you're standing in a doorway, it can't get to you because it's too big? Fuck no. It's got those arms. It's gonna grab you. Anyway, the ritual did a much better job. I wasn't scared of this kind of, like, no-face, kind of gnarled-looking demon thing. It's got some, you know, the hands are kind of, like, black and gnarled-looking. It's got, like, a featureless face. At one point, it appears as her naked dad, which I guess would be kind of upsetting. Yeah, that would upset me. But, you know, even then, I was like, is it appearing to her to, like, be like, trust me, I'm your dad, because... If my dad, you know, was gone and that was the first time I'd seen him, I would not be pleased with seeing my scary naked dad in front of me. So this demon doesn't know what it's doing. (laughs) No. Like, I don't know. So overall, I I did like it, but I just was kind of confused. And then I was really sad at the end when she dies. I thought that it was kind of an unsatisfying ending. But again, I'm wondering if if it's fresh enough where I'm like, Am I unsatisfied because I wanted her to make it? Or am am I unsatisfied because I don't understand why or how she died? Kind of thing. It's hard. Yeah. The child actors in that movie were very, very good. They were very talented. She's got two younger sisters. I think they're supposed to be twins, but they're fraternal. And then she's got like a little brother who's probably like four or five. That part where they're all sitting at the kitchen table and she just like can't put the food in her mouth. And then she starts like throwing up but she's not moving and they're all just sitting there that part was so that was honestly the most upsetting part of the whole movie just because the kids are all like talking and doing little kid stuff and it felt it felt so like real because of the way they reacted yeah well it took them a second to really notice what was going on and then it's one of those things where it's like okay she's not menacing us she's not like throwing up blood or doing anything because at that point she hadn't thrown up yet until she got the food like in her mouth which was just gross but you know and the way she was moving it that was one of the ones where i couldn't tell if they were speeding it up because it almost looked like it was like reversed kind of you know how they make those like spoons so people with parkinson's like it kind of balances it out yeah it was almost like she had one of those but it was like shaking her hand instead of like the other way balancing it like it just was the movement was really unnatural yeah, it was very uh, creepy. That was honestly the most effective scene for me. Mm-hmm. It freaked me out more than anything else, the whole movie. Well, and also, I guess I couldn't tell. Like, they kind of kept playing on the whole, like, she hadn't had her period yet. And her mom was like, you need to grow up and stuff. And then I guess, like, she starts her period. And I didn't really understand why they were bringing that in. Like, because, you know, she has, like, a weird dream about her siblings attacking her and, like, biting her arm skin off, which was pretty gr- gruesome. I was going to say gory and gruesome. Yeah. It's gruesome. <laughs> and, um, but in that same one, like, the demon kind of, like, reaches a shadow over, like, her, like, uterus area and, like, makes a fist. And then when she wakes up, I was like, okay, her period's going to have started. But, like, what, is she going to have, like a like, a demon baby or something? Like, I didn't understand why like it didn't really add anything to it so i didn't really get why they were putting so much emphasis on that part i don't know it just like like we were saying i felt like a lot of it didn't quite make sense so Mm -hmm. it's like are you just doing this because you want to throw in some spooky imagery or does it mean something you know i don't know but i did i really liked the part 
in the beginning and I kept waiting for something to come from it, but it didn't where she, um, she gets home cause you know, the, the seance or whatever, when it goes bad in the beginning, when they're at the school, the board like breaks in half, but she takes it home and she like hides it in a backpack and keeps trying to like hide it in her room and it keeps creepily like falling off the bookshelf or whatever. Um, but at one point she like puts it under her bed and she has this little toy snake, like a big long snake, but it's a cute toy snake. But, and she picks it up and like looks at its face and is like, keep an eye on it. And then puts it back down. I was like, she's still just like a little kid, you know, mm-hmm. like she's having to act like an adult, but she's, she's just a silly little kid who likes, you know, rock music and has a little cute stuffed snake. I was just, I don't know. That's why I wanted her to make it and why I was mad. But I was like, why did she have to die? It didn't make any sense. Like, I don't know. I just couldn't tell. Because then I went at the like very end when she's like, it's me. It was me. And she's holding like this glass shard. And I'm like, oh, is she going to like cut her throat? Or is she going to do something? And then the demon like puts his hand in her mouth. And I'm like, is he trying to possess her? Like, why would he want to kill her if he wants to like take over her body? Or... I don't know. I mean, we've already gone over how I feel like it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. It just kind of seemed like a sad ending for sad endings sake. But and then, of course, at the very end, they show the cops come in and they've got um, they're not real, although there are some real photos that are cool or not cool, I guess, but interesting. Um, But, you know, they've got one of those like little fade outs where it's like the whatever squad came in and it's the first time that paranormal activity has ever been documented by actual police officers, blah, blah, blah. And it shows these kind of, like, staged, like, evidence photos showing, like, the apartment and parts of it after they've been, like, you know, knocked over and and beat up in disarray. But I went to go look it up because I was like, oh, I forgot that this is supposed to be based on an actual, um, it's called, on the actual, uh, case Back in, like, the late 1980s, there was a girl named Estefania Gutierrez-Lazaro, who, it, this is loosely based. Like, there's some parts of it that were kind of similar, or you could tell, like, they pulled from it, but they definitely took a lot of liberties with it. But, um, thought we could do, like, a quick kind of, like, comparison, just since, it's been a while since I've seen a movie where it's, like, it was supposed to be based on a real thing. I think the last one I saw that was like that was like the conjuring oh this is the year i was born 1988 that's what i think because they they list the the time that the police report was made and then they said that her you know possession slash problems started like two years previous to that so i just guessed 1988 but i don't know if it's like late 1987 or or whatnot so but yeah, there was this girl, and most of this information I got from ghosttheory.com, um, from user Xavier Ortega, and this is back from 2016, so they probably had already started working on the movie by then, but this is before it came out, so it had a lot of info and seemed kind of separate from it, because everything I found after was kind of talking about, like, here's what it's based on, it's like a paragraph, goodbye. <laughs> but, um... Uh, the girl, her name's Estefania, had been caught in the middle of a seance using a Ouija board at school. 
So no mention of a eclipse or anything like that. And it didn't say specifically if she went to a Catholic school like the um, Veronica did in the movie. But according to her parents, she developed a slight interest in the occult, which led her and her friends to perform a makeshift seance to contact the boyfriend of one of the girls um, who had died recently in a motorcycle accident. Which that actually is in the movie. Although yeah. they don't they don't actually contact him. I think his name was Manolo. Um, so a teacher catches Estefania and her friends in the in a dark room with the spirit board in the center and she immediately scolds the group, uh, rips the board in half and broke the tall glass that the girls had been using as a play- planchette. Um, the teacher and the girls claim to have seen some form of trapped smoke escape from the glass when it was lifted and it was inhaled by Estefania. Uh, her parents claimed that from that moment on, their daughter's physical and mental health just deteriorated. Mm-hmm. Um, she started having seizures and hallucinatory visions. Um, Estefania would go into fits of wild rage and started snarling and barking at her younger brothers. Um, other times, she would tell her parents that she saw... Shaw? Shaw. <laughs> other times, she'd tell her parents that she saw shadowy people walk past her bedroom at night. Uh, people she described as being strange and evil looking. So, not not a good thing. Not great. Mm-mm. So, her parents took her um, for examinations and testing, but none of the doctors could find anything physically wrong with her, which led them to believe that she had suffered from some sort of psychotic episode. And then, for six months, Estefania was tested and checked by numerous doctors and hospitals, but no one could give... Um, the Gutierrez is a straight diagnosis of what she was suffering from. And all the while, her uh, physical health was progressively getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they said it took about six months or so. Um, but during the last months of her life, Estefania began having bouts of seizures everywhere, um, as opposed to just at her house. She started having them on the subway, on buses. Um, she'd have them at school in her classroom, as well as having them at home where they had started. Um, She wasn't safe from the mysterious illness that had been plaguing her, and as her health worsened, so did the hallucinations and the voices that Estefania said hounded her throughout the day and night. So, months after it had all began, Estefania mysteriously passed away in her bedroom. With no official cause of death, Estefania's parents attributed it to her involvement with the occult, and it was then that they both began to experience the unnerving and unexplained phenomena in their home themselves. Um, they started experiencing slamming doors, electric appliances turning off and on, faint whispering, and shadowy beings began haunting the Gutierrez residence. Mm -hmm. Which, that makes me wonder, like, did they not believe her? I mean, I guess they they believe that she died from the occult, so it seems like they weren't, like, totally closed off to the idea of paranormal stuff, but I'm guessing maybe they didn't, they didn't see any evidence of it while she was still alive. And, like, it wasn't until she passed away that they started seeing it, but... I don't know. This was one of the most detailed ones I could find, because I really wanted to see... Because I could have sworn another one said she died in hospital, but I read a handful that said she died at home, so I I settled on that one. But even then, either way, the consensus was that, like, her health got worse, but then when she died, they they listed, like, sudden and... Or sudden... And suspicious death, which I don't I don't know what you all you can put on a death certificate, but that definitely seemed like a weird 
a weird thing to settle on instead yeah. of like natural causes. Um, let's see. Late on the evening of November 27th, 1990, the police station in Velacas, Madrid received a telephone call. Um, the scarcely manned police station wasn't at all prepared for what the frantic voice was frothing about over the phone, which I guess means they were <laughs> frothing about. They were upset. They called and they were freaked out. Uh, Mr. Gutierrez told them that he and his wife were plagued by tall, shadowy people and strange happenings inside their modest condominium at a nearby street address. Um, Inspector Jose Negri took the case and quickly assembled a small squad of officers to help deal with what he believed was just intruders inside the Gutierrez household. Um, nothing in their official training would prepare them for what was inside the Gutierrez household. And then their address is uh, Calle Luis Marin, numero eight. So two squad cars parked alongside the towering residential buildings on Luis Marin Street. Uh, they met with Mr. and Mrs. Gutierrez, who were both standing in the frigid cold because they were too scared to go back inside their home. When the police made their way inside of the home, of Maximo and Concepcion Gutierrez, there was nothing but a lingering eerie calmness. There were no signs of forced entry on a window or door, and no other person was inside the home except for the the homeowners. So, yeah, I know she had some brothers, so I don't know if they're here or if they'd been sent away at this point. Um, but because they talk about the brothers also experiencing stuff, but in the police report, they only talk about the parents. So I'm wondering if at this point they were like, how about you go stay with other people right now? Yeah. I mean, I would want to. I don't know. I always think, like, if my house was haunted, like, where do you go? Like. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you always see people that are like, we just, we just quit. We just said, I'm done with this house. I'm firing myself. I'm leaving. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's your only option. If really. I can't fire this ghost, I will remove myself from the situation. Because, I don't know. I hope it will never actually happen, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, it's supposed to be, like, where you feel safe. <laughs> um, they told the police that they'd been haunted by loud banging noises and doors slamming at all hours of the day. Um, however, what really got the dismissive ossa... However, what really got the dismissive ossa... <laughs> I can't say these words. However, what really got... The dismissive officer's attention was when Mr. Gutierrez told them about the ominous, shadowy beings that they had both seen walking about their residence. Uh, tall shadows that walked past the hallways and peered through doorways. Mrs. Gutierrez dreadfully recounted what she had, or when she had been grabbed in the middle of the night by a pair of invisible hands. Um, this is her talking. Playing the part of Concepcion is Becca. <laughs> I felt pressure on top of me, but there was no one around. I said to Mr. Gutierrez, there's someone here. I then felt a pair of hands grab my feet and then grab my hand, which were uncovered by the blanket. End scene. You're welcome. <laughs> Becca's everyone. back. Have you ever had a, a phantom kitty jump or phantom like pet jump on your bed where you think you feel your pet jump up and then you look down and they're not on the bed? Yeah, I have definitely experienced that. <laughs> It's the closest I've ever felt, like, to something weird being on the bed. But I know it's probably just, like, a sheet settling, and I'm like, I know what this is. It's my cat. And then I look down, and she gone. She ain't there. Which, 
even then it's not that creepy because I know what it is, but it's kind of unsettling. I've heard of people having that when they're like not at their own home and that would freak me out. Like yeah. if you're in a hotel and you feel the phantom kitty jump. Let's see. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> I would not like this. No stars. <laughs> um, let's see. <laughs> um, Inspector Negri ordered a few of his men to stay in the living room with Mrs. Gutierrez while he and the uh, two other officers accompanied Mr. Gutierrez into the master bedroom. Um, and there they stood talking when all of a sudden a loud bang came from outside the bedroom balcony. So I guess they were a few floors up. Um, they heard what sounded like a fairly large and heavy boulder roll across the balcony's tiled floor. So when they opened the doors that led to the balcony, they saw nothing that could identify the source of the sound. They went back into the living room to ask their fellow officers if they had heard or seen anything strange, and none of them had. But right then, an armoire door swung open and barely missed an officer. The now nervous officers in the room drew their guns and nervously pointed them towards the inanimate furniture. A preliminary inspection yielded no strings or trickery of any kind. I would be a little bit nervous. I mean, I mean, I would be nervous about the ghost, but then I would be extra nervous if they pulled their guns out. Because I'm like, what are you going to do? Shoot it? It's a ghost. For real. <laughs> like, you're fucked. Sorry. Unless you got some kind of weird plasma gun. And I don't think those are standard issue for the police. <laughs> Y'all ain't Ghostbusters. We're screwed. Uh, I knew I should have gone to school to be a Ghostbuster. Got A plus in Ghostbusting. <laughs> Sometimes I had to stay after for tutoring, but I was pretty good. Let's see. Um, the men stood in silent disbelief. At that point, two of the officers decided that they had seen was too much and opted to wait outside in the cold rather than spending another minute in what they believed to be a haunted home. Noobs. Noobs. <laughs> um... So the couple told the now intrigued officers, and by that they mean like scared shitless, <laughs> about the strange death of their daughter, Estefania, just two years previous. As the parents divulged the incredible information, loud bangs and thrashing sounds came from Estefania's closed bedroom door. Mm-hmm. And then this is where there's a couple of things in this part of it that were in the movie, but it's all swapped around because it seems like a lot of it didn't happen till after Estefania died, but in the movie, this is all happening during the haunting when Veronica's still alive. Let's see. Uh, Maximo, who's the dad, led the way to his daughter's defunct room where they saw a crucifix laying in the middle of the floor instead of on the wall where it had hung for years. Um, the officer saw that one of Estefania's posters had been clawed and shredded as well. So... The inspector signaled to his men to check the other door in the bedroom that led to a balcony. And it was locked, and there was no one outside or anywhere near Estefania's bedroom. As the men examined the room, a loud pounding noise echoed across the room. No source of that noise was ever found. Maximo then told the officers that while being inside the same room, he had witnessed his son being pushed by an unseen force. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was like, okay, so he's been in there, but he's not there now. Yeah. And the second part also, this was in the movie too, but... I can't tell from the report, like, when it happened. Um, the mom, Concepcion, noted that one of her daughter's photographs had fallen off the table and ignited in fire, only burning the photographic paper that had Estefani's portrait, but left the frame and the glass without a single burn or scratch or anything. Which, that's kind of like the closing shot of the movie, is a photo of Veronica, but it kind of, like, is burned on her face. Mm-hmm. 
But with this one, I couldn't tell if she was being like, oh, this happened before or if it happened like while they were in the room. And then they came back and were like, look what just happened. I think it's it's from what I'm gathering, it's they're telling them basically like over the last two years, this happened and this happened. And they're just pointing out basically like big weird shit that's happened in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe as more evidence. But then they also like a lot of weird noises and stuff happen while they're there. Exactly. Yeah. And then this next part was also in there. So outside the bedroom, an officer noted that a strange crimson-colored goo was present in some of the Gutierrez's furniture. Neither Maximo or Concepcion had ever seen it before. Not knowing what to make of the situation, Inspector Negri was then told about the bathroom the Gutierrez family chose to stay out of, which is horrifying. <laughs> the idea that they're just like, there's a room in our house we just don't go in. Mm-hmm. Given the rest of our house is still haunted and we'll go there sometimes, this room's off limits. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Ugh. But yeah, the, the goo part in the movie, um, when Veronica... It looked kind of like mold. It looked kind of like mold, like it was kind of reddish black... So it was almost kind of like an old, like, like someone had died there and it was like dried blood. But then it also looked kind of like burned in mold. Like it was just nasty. But she would go around flipping over the mattress because she found it on the bottom of hers when she was trying to clean the blood off from where she got her period. And then she went around and started flipping over everyone else's mattresses later in the movie. And what I thought was creepy is that it's like the shape of a person underneath it, which I I thought was going to be like um foreshadowing that like they were all gonna get killed and that was gonna be like where they were found or something which you know that didn't happen the only one who died was veronica but it was still creepy um they reported back to the the spooky bathroom they reported that they would hear disembodied voices at times when inside the bathroom and had also experienced sudden drops in temperature an icy chill that engulfed whoever was inside which is no fun Um, The inspector walked into the bathroom, which had only been used for washing and storing dishes due to the phenomena. So, because I guess if it's like in the movie, there's only one bathroom. So it's like they would have still had to use it, but I guess they just don't go in unless they absolutely have to. Um, Once he was inside, the inspector felt the hair on his neck stand on end and an eerie feeling that the other officers also felt. Uh, The officers noticed that the temperature inside the bathroom was significantly colder than the outside air. Which, also, I mean, at any point, did you want, like, a map of what the apartment looked like from the movie? Oh my god, I was so confused. Because sometimes she would be looking across and there was, like, a window that she could see the other half of the apartment. And I was like, where the fuck is this? What? Are, yeah. What is the layout? Well, I couldn't tell, like, Please if it explain. was a building maybe that, like, you know, at the base, maybe it had, like, a small courtyard. And that there was, like, wings of the building that wrapped around it. And so you had, like, maybe bedrooms on one side kitchen on the other and then like a hallway that kind of connected them like maybe the you know building was just shaped like a not an x but like an h or something but i mean it was a cool look and i didn't know maybe if that's more standard in like madrid or if it was a 90s thing or or what but i thought it looked really cool it was just really confusing like when she's running around trying to find you know, the kids and keep them safe at the end when she's trying to, to save them from the demon stuff. Where I'm just like, where are you going? Where's the bathroom? <laughs> Which hallway are you in? Like, I don't know. I thought it was really cool. And I love a house with like a cool, like 
old school like 70s atrium but I was just kind of confused because I was like is she looking across like a courtyard at someone else's apartment or is she looking across the way to her siblings room because she did both at different points yeah I couldn't tell I couldn't figure it out either I was like this must either be like architecture that we just don't have here in America town here <laughs> yeah in uh the USA I had a brain fart <laughs> and um or it's just like because you know how we will have you know old 70s atrium houses or ranch style houses or like maybe that was a style that was popular in the 70s or 80s there mm-hmm. that because I mean it did look like an older building mm-hmm I don't know, but it was just, it was interesting, but it was confusing. And I was like, man, I really wish that we'd like, could understand this layout better. Just because I was like, I don't know what's real, man. <laughs> what's going on? But, um, okay, so the couple found no help within the medical professionals when it came to their daughter's mystery illness. And now they were finding no help within the police to in regards to the frightening happenings inside their home. So with no choice left in the matter, Maximo and Concepcion eventually decided to move out of their home the right choice Mm -hmm. once they did the insidious torment ceased that's lucky because i feel like a lot of people um that report hauntings and stuff like it'll fucking follow them and i'm just like what do you do then like how is it just like well Well, especially if this was one that was like following a person you know because if this happened like it started at the school and then she brought it home and then maybe i guess like if she passed away at home Maybe that's why it was staying there, but... It was just negative energy or something. Yeah, but I mean, it's also hard. I mean, I in the movie, you know, they were in kind of dire straits, um, you know, financially. I don't know what the, the real family, uh, what their situation was, but I mean, it's hard to just pick up and move if that's somewhere that you've lived for a long time, which I think yeah. just goes to show how how bad it must have been. And again, I mean, if this is all stuff that, they made up it could have just been it was hard to live there after their daughter died but again i mean this is all in a report that was written although i was frustrated because i found a copy of the report but it's in spanish and i don't speak spanish so i couldn't actually read it but it was attached to this article that i read so it's pulling from it um but so basically at the end they were able to put the strange events behind them and they were allowed to peacefully mourn their daughter's death. Um, but to this day, no other strange events have been in re- uh, have been reported inside that same condominium um, on 8 Louis Marin in Vallecas, Madrid. So after they left, it didn't follow them, but it also didn't continue where they were living. Or where they had been. Yeah. So, which I guess is good for whoever moved in next. But I, uh, I was glad I was able to find some more info on on what it was based on because again it was it was pretty loosely based and from what i read the director guy was like you know this is one of those stories that like you know maybe like the american version would be like the uh you know like the amityville horror house kind of thing like it's well known and and people talk about it a lot but he was like i don't really consider this like a documentary or anything like that he's like i just kind of took some ideas from it yeah but I wonder what her family thinks of the movie. I don't know how I would feel about it. I'd be like, mm, I'm good. Mm-hmm. It's not a part of my life I want to relive. Yeah. Especially if they're not, like, going to be compensated for their pain and suffering at all. 
Yeah. But I guess with something like that, if the story is much bigger than you, you might not be able to control how other people display it. This is true. But... Yeah, but overall, I mean, I thought it was a good movie. I thought it, it could have been better. It was above average. Like, I, I liked it more than most of the horror movies I watch randomly on Netflix. So it's got that going for it. But um, if you liked this at all, I would definitely recommend Record. Um, if we ever do an episode on found footage films, I'm going to be talking about that one a lot. <laughs> it's really good. It is very good. Um, also the, the other one I mentioned, the house at the end of time is really good. It's, it's in Spanish and it used to be on Netflix. If it's not, maybe check Amazon prime, but it's really good. It's just interesting. It, it wasn't, I went in blind and I didn't really know what it was going to be, but I really liked it. I've never seen that one. I'll have to watch it. Um, let's see. What kind of a rating system should we give this one? Hmm. How many bowls of spaghetti? <laughs> How many bowls of spaghetti? She, I would give barfs, this. She barfs on some spaghetti. It's kind of gross. Yeah, it's really gross. Uh, I would give it three and a half bowls of spaghetti with like three large meatballs. Three large meatballs. Okay. I would give it three like good full plates of spaghetti. And then the last one I would, it would be a, Four, but the fourth one is you either start to run out of sauce or you start to run out of spaghetti. Like, the ratio is off. So it's just not satisfying. But just still eat it. Because you don't want the noodles to get hard. It's hard. (laughs) Let's see. Uh, You been doing or watching anything spooky this week? Um... Nothing spooky, really. Uh, Anything that you like to take your mind off of this sad movie? Um, I've been watching this YouTuber. She's this very, like, I think she's turning 20 this month. Or maybe she just turned 20. I don't know. She's a baby. <laughs> but um, she has, like, rainbow hair. And her YouTube channel is called Pixie Locks. And she's... Um, she likes girls, and she's super cute, and if I could adopt her as my child, I would. She's precious, and she's just lots of positivity. I don't know. I just like her. Her YouTube channel is, like, it's mostly sort of, like, hauls and talking about, you know, beating depression and little DIYs and stuff, but it's just, everything is so, like, sort of 80s and 90s vintage toy-inspired. Mm-hmm like, color-wise, that you just, you go to her channel, you just feel happy. Like, she's just cute, and when she swears, she'll have, like, clips, or not clips, but, like, uh, sound bites from um, Cardcaptor Sakura or (laughs) Sailor Moon or whatever. She's just really funny and really charming, and I love her. So if you're wanting something that's, like, positive that you can just put on in the background and listen to her talk and try on clothes and just be cute like she loves anime she loves like i don't know she's precious she's like a rainbow a pastel rainbow like personified (laughs) you should watch her youtube channel it's very good and what's her channel again it's pixie locks p-i-x-i-e there might be another e and then l-o-c-k-s nice what about you i i don't have anything 
super uplifting and nice. I was gonna say I finally played uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, which is not feel good, <laughs> but it is very very good. Um, it's kind of like it's less of a game and more of like a kind of like an immersive like storytelling experience, like an interactive story, mm-hmm. like almost like point and click, but way more complex like each it's like an anthology and each one is like told in a different style and and like using a different mechanic um i got it because they were having a big sale on the playstation network but uh, i think you can also get it on stream and stuff like that it's on a lot of platforms but but it's really good it was it is kind of sad it deals with a lot of like death but at the same time i feel like maybe not like hopeful isn't the right message but it kind of it presents it in a way that like even though it's sad and like you know that it has to happen eventually to everyone I don't know there's like a feeling of acceptance basically like you're playing this girl named Edith Finch whose entire family basically has passed away but she doesn't know a ton about everyone and she goes back to her childhood home and you go through and you're there are different, like, rooms that belong to each person going all the way back to, like, her great-grandma. And you pretty much just play out through, like, the last, like, day, like, a portion of the last day of their life. Which, again, I know it sounds, like, really sad and it's definitely not, like, a really feel-good game. But I think it's important, like, even though it really sucks to, to, to talk about like, death and the aftermath and, and even, you know, leading up to, you know, and just kind of finding ways to, to process those feelings, because I know I personally, you know, unfortunately, in my, my immediate family so far (laughs) is good, but, you know, my extended family, we've had a lot of people pass away kind of earlier than we would have liked them to, and it's, it's hard, because, like, when you grow up in a thing like that, you don't necessarily get more used to it, but you have to find different ways to to kind of deal with it and to not be so scared of it. Because when you know a lot of people who have died earlier than what might be considered normal, it's easy just to get really scared because you're like, well, I never thought that so-and-so would pass away before they were 50, and here I am at 30 <laughs> being like, well, I'll never die. I'll live forever. Nope, <laughs> you won't. I don't know. Like I like I said, it was sad, but it it gave me a lot of feelings, but it wasn't too much to handle. It was just kind of a good way to to process that. And I'm sure it's not for everybody, but since we are a paranormal podcast, I'd say anything about, you know, death and dying and not necessarily ghosts, but definitely kind of dealing with with the aftermath of stuff like that is I'd say it fits. Yeah. I mean, it's a bummer, but that's kind of how it goes. Mm-hmm. But they handle it in such a beautiful way. Really, like, it is. It's very beautiful. You know, you, you think there'd be only so many ways to say, like, oh, you know, to, to explain, like, how someone died, but especially doing it kind of, like, from their perspective and knowing that at the end of, like, this chapter that the character you're playing as is going to, you know, you already know that they die because you're there because they're gone sort of thing and so it's just kind of you just kind of are taking it in because you know it's coming and I don't know 
I'm rambling now, but it was just really good, and I would say if that's something that you're interested in or you think it won't bum you out too much, I personally thought it was very cathartic, and I think it's more common than we would like to like to acknowledge that a lot of people, you know, come from families where if it's not death, it's, you know, some sort of tragedy or or something like that that's made it harder to, to get by as like a, a normal family kind of thing, and it's good to acknowledge that yeah i um i watched uh my friend Cass play it so i had seen it beforehand and it's it's a rough game but like taylor said it's very beautiful and there is a sort of like i don't know how to describe it but it's just it's it's handled very um sensitively and also you just feel a lot of empathy for everyone and I don't know it's just it's it's a good exercise in like caring about other people if that makes sense I don't know Mm-hmm. yeah when I do I like that about it because I know we we enjoy a lot of games where like you have to make different choices and so each person's like experience with it is different but this one I mean if you don't have access to you know, a way to play games, but you've got YouTube. There are a lot of playthroughs. Like you said, Cass has one, and, and it really is you're just interacting with a story, so it's it might be a little bit different than playing it yourself, but you can still experience it and and kind of, you know, take it take it as you will. So I think in that way it's it's nice and accessible. Even though I'm sure the developers would prefer that you buy it and play it yourself if you can't, hopefully they would just be happy that you you got to experience the message. Yeah. And cry. Like I did. <laughs> I thought I made it. I was so close. And then the credits started rolling. And I was just like, I'm destroyed. Ah. In a good way. I'm destroyed in a good way. <laughs> yeah. So that's my suggestion. Sorry it took a thousand years. But that's what I was playing. And I had a lot of feelings. It's cool. <laughs> But um, if you like what you heard here, we um, definitely leave us a review. Reviews are good. They help us get, you know, basically it it makes it easier for people to find us. Mm -hmm. And you can follow us on Twitter at Ghost Emoji Show. And if you have like a suggestion or a story or just want to chat, you can contact us at ghost emoji podcast at gmail.com and i think that's it for link yeah let's say we're um, i normally don't do the links so i know but i was you took charge i'm really hungry i'm really fucking hungry (laughs) and my food has been sitting here this whole time so uh just taunting you ready (laughs) well good well you go go eat your food and and i'll close up here uh uh, stay spooky bye bye Bye. Ding, bong, ding, 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 ding. Are you singing the song? Yeah, that's our song. Oh, uh, see, I was going to actually close it out with the song from Veronica. Oh, that's better. Do that. <laughs> we'll do that. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> Yeah.